welcome. This is Mibbit Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Mapit Marketing. I'm your host, Rachel Plava, and today we're going to talk about one of my very favorite topics, which is sales. Now, I know a lot of business owners have a real block around sales. I used to have that too. I was raised by people, uh, by professionals, and they didn't really have to do selling. Um, they, one of, My dad actually had a business, but he was a professional in his business, and it was kind of easy for him just to grow without having to have that sales process. And my mom was a teacher, and I did not really understand a lot about business before I began my own businesses. And I think that there's often a lot of blocks that happen when it comes to doing your marketing, but there's even more blocks that happen that come during sales. And I now love selling. So I want to talk to you a little bit about how you can get more sales from your leads when you're working well in terms of your marketing needs and getting those people closer to you and how to get them to say yes. This is based around a free webinar that I have run in the past called Get More Sales. And I'm going to walk you through some of the key components and some of the things that I have done to help. Now, if this is the first time that you've ever been part of Mapit Marketing Podcast, well, welcome to the show. It's really lovely to have you here. And for those of you that are returning welcome to it's lovely to see you if you are a returning visitor and you're loving the show please do rate and review the show so that other people can enjoy it and if it's new to you and you enjoy this do please go and um, hit subscribe and listen again last week's podcast which was about how to get um, more sales through marketing will be a really good one to accompany the show for you to have a look at um, so we're going to jump in and uh, work on the uh, work on the sales side and I'm using some slides um, to help me just remember my my paths so little clicks you might have heard them was part of that all right so let's talk about how to get more sales from your marketing needs the first thing that I normally say when we talk about this is first you need to work out what your motivation is so often when people say this they go oh duh to get more sales but it isn't always that motivation that we're looking for I'm talking about a more intrinsic motivation uh, obviously sometimes we're in survival mode and we just need to know we get that sale to get enough money to survive but long term that's not going to serve us very well that's not going to serve us in terms of making sure that we know what we're doing making sure that we're focused and making sure that we've got goals set in place to set some of those goals in place we have to think about why so it might be that you want to earn a certain amount so you can have more time with your family it might be that you want to earn some a certain amount so that you can have an admin person or one of my clients this week get a cleaner. Um, another thing could be just you really want to have enough money to buy a house or those sort of things. So you need to work out what your driver is, the thing that's going to get you and push you through because sales can be fun, but sales can also be hard. And if you don't know what that, that thing is to help push you through and motivate you, it can be tricky. The next thing we want to make sure you do is set some really good goals. And I normally recommend having three types of sales goals. One is your bare minimum to scrape by that you know you have to have. The second one is the one that you actually really want and think that's achievable, but might require a bit of a push. 
And the third is your aspirational goal. The thing that would be like, oh my gosh, this is almost a win lotto moment. And having those really help you stay in that middle lane. If you've just got the bottom, you're, you're going to struggle to get to it. And you need to make sure that you know that that's your cutoff price that you've got to do before you run something or before you do something and that you can check, hey, if I'm getting growth, at least it's at that level. But you need to have that higher up one. And I always think it's good to have aspirational going in there as well. So I do that. The other thing with around goal setting, which is also really important, is we have several different facets in our business. We have our one-to-one uh, -one work in terms of strategy. I have a coaching program called um, the Content Master Web, which I've actually launched this week, um, and we've got a new one in August, so I'm super excited about that. We've got a, I've got a book coming out. We've got um, webinars. We've got other things. And I have sales goals for each one of those things because it makes me push myself. If I just go, oh, I need this sort of turnover a year and this is how many sales I need a month. And we do that as well. We have a monthly and a quarterly sales target. If I have those things separate, but I'm doing really well in one other area, it's really easy for me to gloss over and just kind of ignore that part if it's not selling well. So having targets for each section also helps you really drive that sales energy. The next thing we're going to talk about a little bit is the idea of conversions. So I was looking at our numbers the other day. And well, obviously, we haven't really looked at this before in, in such depth because we've also been looking over the last three years. And this is what we found out. We found out that we have a 5% conversion rate of anyone that has come through as what's called a marketing qualified lead. What that means is people who have followed us on Instagram or messaged us on Facebook or have been to a webinar or have been part of a LinkedIn post or whatever it is or been to our blog and mentioned that and we've been able to track it with our CRM. 5% of those people become customers. So essentially one in 20 people through our marketing become customers that we have interactions with. Now that's that's a good number. I, I don't know what the industry average is, but I don't know if I want to know. Um, but my goal is to maintain and grow that. So knowing those numbers are really important. We can tell that because we use a CRM, we use Zoho CRM, we're partners for that. You can also use things like Active Campaign. you can use HubSpot, other things you can use to do that CRM space but that helps us. Now, not every business needs is at the stage for that. But if you're at a stage where you're getting enough leads and you have enough customers that you can't put them all on a whiteboard, then getting a CRM makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm going to put a link to Zoho on there. Um, I love it. I used to think it was rubbish. Um, I had some bad preconceptions about it when we first started using it. Uh, but I absolutely and utterly love it and love the power of the reporting that it gives us. But when we talk about us, and, and then when we talk about the other conversion, we also can tell that out of, if we have um, 12 people who approach us to work with us, four of those people will become clients. So we have around a 35% um, conversion rate and so that counts people who may not know how much we cost um, it may not may count people who are talking to us early on in the journey whatever but over that that cost if someone has approached us directly to work with us we currently have overall a 35% conversion rate now some areas are really high like 80% and some are a lot lower so knowing those numbers really help us so one of the things I want you to remind, remember is that not everyone that approaches you to work with you is going to work with you and it's a really good idea to measure that and see where the breaks are one of the things that a lot of people miss out on is different stages of the journey 
not doing them. And if they just did those things, they would see an increase in sales. And we'll talk about that a bit later. So you need to look through that. So you need to measure how many leads are coming through, then maybe how many meetings you're having, how many proposals, and then how many people become clients. And you also should be looking at things like the value of the customer. So there is some maths involved. There's some thinking and setting things up. If you have a good CRM, it will measure those things for you. Otherwise, you might have to do it a bit manually. All right. So that's kind of like some of that structural stuff that you need to do. When you are getting into the idea of selling, part of the problem is we need to make sure we have a good headspace. And this is so important because if you think that it's hard, it's going to feel hard. If you feel like it's pushy, you're going to come across either as totally non-pushy and then not talk about what you're doing. You're going to be awkward and uncomfortable. And if you're unconfident and awkward and unconfident, unconfident and awkward, then what's going to happen is people aren't going to trust what you're selling. I really believe that this is something that I have to work on myself all the time. I'll often work with a client and they'll tell me how much they charge for something. And I'm like, wow, ballsy move. I don't know if I've got the mindset for that. Yet other people think that I'm a sales queen, you know, in terms of what I do. And I think that there's this mindset shift that we do have to make. I do think that if you can't roll off the tongue and feel confident with the prices that you've got, and you don't believe that that's really what you're worth, it's very hard to sell them. So you really have to get a good headspace around what you sell, what you offer, and really really believe in it. I've got so many stories of times when I didn't do this with particular offers and you can just tell when people ask, I'll mumble it or I won't feel confident if someone said no to it, I'll be deeply rejected. That is all part of that getting that headspace right. We also need to look at our perception of selling. So I've got a really cool little tool that I normally get people to do if they're struggling with selling, which is to put a timer on for five or 10 minutes. And then I just want you to get a blank piece of paper and write down all the words that you associate with selling. And just don't block it. Just write down things that might just be successful or it could be manipulative or whatever those words are. And then I want you to get a highlighter or a different pen and circle all the negative ones. And then in a different color, circle all the positive ones and see what the kind of break is. Because if your negative perception yourself around selling is that it's inherently a bad thing or it's a grimy thing, that's going to impact you when you're in a sales meeting trying to sell, which means you need to make a shift. Now, one of the things that I did to resolve this is I had a mantra. So I don't do a lot of sales calls in person now. Everything is via Zoom. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but one of the things that I used to do when I went before sales calls is I used to really struggle with a lot of anxiety about going into an office where I didn't know the people and I had to manage it. And often these were quite cold um, not very warm leads. Um, now our marketing brings in very, very warm leads. We've worked really hard to build a good content marketing blend to do that. Um, but before it used to be that I'd have to have several meetings and it was like this long process and it took a long time. And often I was going in quite cold to a meeting. And that's a hard thing to do. It's one of the reasons why I so focus on great content marketing, because I don't want to be focusing on that backwards and forwards and building that one-on-one -on -one rapport. I'd rather build my rapport with a larger group of people and then just build a deeper level of rapport when that person's ready, when they come to me. But I have this mantra and this is it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. It's going to be easy. And I'm here to serve. 
And when I used to use all of that, it was so good because that would allow me to create a feeling inside of myself of remembering that I was there to help the other person and that it didn't have to be awful. It helped me to remember to develop rapport. It helped me to remember that it's going to be good. And no matter what was going to happen, I was going to learn from the experience and be able to take that on. And I think that that is a super awesome way to kind of set it up and deal with it. Then when you're doing that and you're working through that and you've changed your mindset, you have to be really clear on your offering. So I've done podcasts before about how you need to narrow your arrow and I'll put that in the show notes as, as one of the things that you need to do um, and need to listen to. But you really need to narrow exactly what your offering is. If you're offering too many things, it makes it too hard. Now, I do this all the time, guys. I have not perfect at this. I teach people to narrow, but I am like a little sparrow going from nest to nest, getting everything excited. And I sometimes forget to do this myself. So one of the things you need to do is make sure that you're only selling one thing at a time. So I worked with someone last year and they were trying to sell like three different things to three different markets within a six-week period. And it's just too hard. So sometimes we try to do something and realize we've created a bit of a, a cross for our back and made it hard. Make the offer really simple. And if you want to sell several things, make time periods for different things and don't cross those over at the same time. So for example, um, over the last few months, my main focus has really been just to get enough people to my first go of my new co coaching program, which I got, I got my target number, which was great. And that was really what I did. Now I actually had some webinars and things that I ran during that time. And I didn't, I, I shouldn't have put them in. I made a mistake because I just didn't have enough time and energy to put into marketing those because actually it was more important for me to do the coaching program. I'm about to have my book come out. And so there's going to be a period of me promoting that book. And that's going to take a lot of time and my energy. Later on in the year, I'm actually taking some time off um, for myself for something. And during that time, I have to make sure before that time that I've sold into the time when I come back for me and my team for us to have work. So that's going to be a primary period of time that I've got to do before I go into things. So I try and focus on having a really clear offer of what we do. The other thing is we don't talk and sell directly all the different things we do. We're Zoho partners. But we don't tell people that all the time. Like I don't hardly ever mention that when I'm doing social media posts. We get a lot of leads and we get that through the other work we do. But you need to make sure that your offering is really clear, really simple and really easy to explain and deliver. So that needs to be that's a marketing kind of thing and a messaging thing. But you need to have a really clear thing to do that. The next thing you need to do is before you step into a meeting with someone, you have to think about two outcomes. The first is your ideal outcome. That is, if this meeting goes really well and I like the person and they like me, because it's kind of like dating, you both have to like each other and it feels like it's the right fit. What is the ideal next step I want to take? And lots of people, when they talk about this, will go, well, I want to sail. But for most of us, it's not that simple. In fact, most of the time when I have worked with people and I've gone into a meeting and they've wanted to sign up on the day, they have not been the right clients for us because it needs to be something where you make sure they know all the stuff they need to know before they sign up. Like, hey, we meet via Zoom. That's important for you to know. We only work before between business hours. That's important for you to know. There's all these things that you might need to know that if I say you say yes now, it still might fall over. So for us, an ideal outcome is for the person to agree to have an email proposal from us. That's currently how it is. 
The secondary outcome, so, the, so yours will be different. Whatever yours is, or might be the same. The secondary outcome is one that is just for you. The secondary outcome is all about how you want to develop as a person. So here's some of mine, and you might, you might, you might not be surprised by this one. My first one that I ever used to have as a self-development one was to remember to shut up. Yep, I know, you were surprised. It's true. I used to have to have mine was to not talk too much during a sales meeting because if you talk more than they do, it makes it harder for them to trust you. They want you to talk less. In fact, here's a cool little tip. I used to, I wrote a book on dating once. And one of the things I learned was that people consider the date good if they have been allowed to talk for 70% of the time and the other person's only talked for 30%. And that same criteria is the same in sales meetings. We want them to talk more and you to talk less. So that was one of mine. I've also had ones around asking questions. I have a very embarrassing story about how we did this, tried this new offer years ago. Uh, we have coaching with our programs and I feel very comfortable about that, but we were doing this thing and I'd never done it before. And part of my, my criteria was that I just had to offer it as a question during the meeting. And the first time I did it, um, I, they said, Cohen, is there anything else you need to know about, you know, do I need to know about the program or anything like that? And I said, I actually have, a, I have this thing. I need, oh gosh. And, I, and then I went, oh gosh, I've mucked that up. I was going to ask you a question, but now I feel really awkward. And it just went on. Oh, it was terrible. She was begging me at the end to tell her what I wanted to talk about. Um, and I said, oh, look, um, do you want coaching with that? Kind of like, do you want fries with that? And she laughed and said, well, I would have expected you to offer that. Um, so you didn't need to feel so self-conscious. No, I'm not interested, but, you know, thank you for asking me. And it just, you know, I had to get better. I had to learn to get better. And sometimes we don't know how much we need to learn to get better until we're doing those live ones. Now, just on this, here's another little tip for you. If you are seeking out like a really big client that you really want to work with, that's your ideal client. If you want to do that, go into some second or third tier people that you want to work with potentially too, but not as much, and go and try your sales meeting pitches and your sales meeting processes on them first. If you do it with the big fish first, you're going to freak out, you're going to ruin it and blow your chances. So do it that way instead so you're practiced. So you have an ideal outcome and, a, and then a secondary outcome. Then what we want to do is we want to prepare for the meeting. So one of the things that you can do in terms of preparing for the meeting um, is making sure that you have got a um, got information about where they are if you're if you're going there. And I'll, I'll talk about about Zooms in a minute. Making sure that you know um, the name of the person. Believe me, how many times I have forgotten um, to. <laughs> to know the name of the person very awkward um, so make sure that you do that um, also please make sure that you um, know what whether you've got equipment that you need to have what your offers are all those sort of things those sort of things are very important for you because they're going to help you create um, the information that you need which is so important all right, so we need to focus on those different things and the areas. Once you're going into the meeting and you're thinking about how you're doing that meeting, uh, we want to think about how we are going to present ourselves and how we're going to work that out. Now, the first thing you need to make sure you do is you need to start with rapport building. So do some small talk. 
there are times where sometimes I'm just not in the mood to small talk. I am actually a very chatty introvert. Um, sometimes small talk is hard for me and I just want to jump in, especially if they're running late a bit and I feel a bit squeezed for time. But small talk is really important because it relaxes the person into talking with you, getting used to them talking and you listening and also finding some common things that, that are going to help you bond really well. And I do know that a few times when I've had a bad experience in a, um, in a meeting, uh, one of the things that I've really experienced is, is that that rapport building wasn't really worked through properly. And because of that, it made it really difficult. Um, and so it is really important to really use that effectively. Otherwise, it does make it very hard um, to focus on. So you need to be thinking about that. Once you've got that, that rapport sorted, and, and a little tip, tip, if it's not working really well later on, you can always come back to this. Um, the next thing is uh, making sure that you ask open-ended questions. So instead of things like, what time do you deliver such and such? You know, it's like, um, you know, tell me about such and such, or tell me, tell me, tell me, a little. my favorite one is always tell me a little bit about your business or tell me why you wanted to make this time with me today or something like that. Tell is great because it tells the person's brain, but you can use anything that's like how, what, where, why, things that open up the story. If they're giving very single one or two word answers, that means that rapport isn't quite there, but also it might be that you're answering questions, asking questions that have quite a closed answer, like what's your name? Um, and so we want to have something that's going to encourage them. We need them to talk. And your job is to listen. And you need to listen through their messages, have notes, feel free to take notes. But note down the things that you, that you hear when they're talking around what their needs are. Because what I feel is that most of the time when people are talking during these meetings, they are actually telling you the real thing that they need to have. And quite often when I talk to people when they're doing this, they're actually telling me things that they need that we don't offer. And I can say, hey, actually, we're not a right fit. We've actually done that with people before quite a lot. You know, and that part of that sort of 60% of people that don't become our clients often those are people that just we didn't connect with because they were um, they were just people that weren't quite ready for what we do. So it is a really important thing to actually focus on and making sure that people are the right fits. So you need to be listening to that really carefully uh, because that is going to make a huge impact um, to what you're doing um, when you're walking it through it. The other thing that you need to be doing when you're walking, uh, when you're doing it, is also listening for where your offers are and how they might match that. So you need to be thinking about that as well, of how you can make those things fit a lot better when you're creating that content. So that's that's an important part. So practicing that listening, practicing those issues in terms of like that that opening of questions. Near the end, there is often opportunity where they're talking where you can ask permission then to share what you can offer in terms of what they do. And this is where we pull in the threads of the things they've said that they needed and then how you can relate that back to what you've got. And I think that's a really important thing to do. It does take practice. You might not get it right, right of the way, but that's really good. Then I always end the meet meeting with asking them if they'd like me to, to submit a proposal. Um, sometimes I will give a bit of a price indication. I normally do that for people who... I feel might not be able to afford us or people who may not have a real idea of how much we cost. And I'll give a price, basically a, 
basic price indication, especially if it's something that's out of the normal. And if they go, yep, that's okay, then we will go and I'll ask them if they can have a proposal. Um, so I use that as my ask for a sale because it's a lot better than do you want to work with us, which is quite intrusive. But you can, there's a whole lot of different closes. You can Google best closes to use in sales processes, like over, I think it's over um, 900 or something different closes. And there's really only six that I use um, over and over again. So that might be that might be my decision doing that, or it might be, would you like to book in? Um, I might do that for my coaching program. That's normally the sales process I do for that one because there's already quite a lot of preemptive stuff in there. Um, and so that's that process there. And then what's really important after that is you end the meeting with a what happens next. So I normally say, okay, so here's what's going to happen next. I'm going to do such and such and such and such. You're going to do such and such and such and such, and I and we're going to do this. I, you, me, or we. And so it might be, I'm going to send you a proposal within 48 hours that's detailing what we're going to be doing and how we're working together. You're going to have a read through of that proposal and see if it's a fit and come back to me. And if I haven't heard from you in a week, I will come back and check with you then we will together work out where this next best steps. And if it's a yes, we'll book you in and we to start working together. So this ties things up and helps bring it to a place. Now you noticed in there that I said that if I haven't heard back within a week, I will get in contact. I do stay in contact after a meeting. And this is the one thing that business owners don't do that makes them miss out on so many sales. We get so many of our sales come from that follow-up. Follow-up is completely key so if i can get you to do anything from today it would be to learn this follow up follow up every week you just need to come in and say hi sent you the proposal last week i'm wondering i know it's busy i'm wondering how you're going i'm wondering if you want to you want to ask any questions about it is there anything else you need and you send that and if they don't keep on replying to that if they keep on ghosting you then you can send one that says hi I send these out every week until I hear back from you. Um, so if you don't want us to talk to you or email you anymore, that's completely fine. Just let me know and I will let my CRM know. And this actually works really well. Surprisingly, over 50% of people who have got to that stage actually sign up and become customers. And I don't know why, because I kind of feel like, you know, they probably have lost interest. I'm, I'm literally thinking they've lost interest. But it often shows that so many people need to have that regular follow-up to keep them going. That's a whole lot of different things that you can do in terms of that sales process. I actually have a really cool sales planner um, that I created. It's I've got a pad of them with like a little instructional thing on how to make them use in a sales meeting. I have used them for years. They work super, super well to help you write down all the information, to remember what questions to ask and to prepare. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well so that you've got that information. And, you know, I would love to hear from you about your sales process. Come along, um, make a comment when the podcast comes out um, on the post if you want to, if you've listened before, or come along to our Facebook group, Map It Marketing, which I'll put a link to. So you can come and talk about sales um, in the group there. And yeah, happy selling. I'm looking forward to hearing how everything goes. If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.